there was some awkward moments where characters would break out in the song and dance because they were they were drunk. showing that it, huh they were drunk <laughs> because they were drunk dodge this i am the father oh. i'm here on a mission of mercy There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. This is episode 137 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show where we talk about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. Today is Tuesday, May the 12th, 2015, and today the Movie Bite Frontiersmen of the West are here to tell you a story. So tie up your horses and hang up your hats, ladies and gentlemen. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today is the ruffian known as Joe Darnell. How are you, Joe? I'm doing wonderful, TJ. How are you, Parker? I'm doing well. Uh, so uh, today has been a day of minor uh, inconveniences and crises. Yeah. Uh, Slip-ups, muting the microphone, whatnot. <laughs> so I was um, I was getting ready for the podcast, and I, I still uh-huh. I actually I, I haven't written down many thoughts about this film because I was going to con- you know sit down and take some notes of of, of the yeah, film. Yeah. And I sat down with my you microphone. You actually, what you're saying is you haven't seen the movie. Uh, that, well, that's just code between you and me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was planning on seeing it, but then I didn't. No, I sat down and I was getting the levels ready for the podcast, and I was checking my mic, and and mm-hmm. my mic just sort of fell out of its, uh, out of its, uh, its, uh, its shock neck? mount. Yeah, yeah, out of the shock mount, and I it slipped a disc. Yeah, something went crazy, and so I'm looking at the the bands hold it in the shock mount, and one of them has broken. Mm, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought we were going to have to cancel the podcast and end the show. And lo and behold, my wife had these things, these magical uh, pieces of things. I, I My hair is not long enough for these, so I didn't even – I don't know what they you are. You didn't know they existed. Yeah, right? what are these things? So these are um, – I'm using these uh, hair bands, these uh, ponytail holders. Hair bands. Yes. A new music group. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my, my shock mount is once again secure, and we can actually do a show today. How was your day, Joe? It was pretty good. I watched a movie called The Homesman. Yes. I uh, hear it's pretty fantastic. Mm. And, uh, in hindsight, <laughs> I have a review for you today. Yes. We, we'll, we'll talk about whether or not that movie's fantastic a little bit later. Um, yeah, I, I had a pretty good day. It was rushed around. It felt like the second day of summer. Here in Georgia, we have about approximately um, three whole weeks of spring and then it's summertime oh so summer has already began there unofficially so, yeah it, it just went like wham hit us here at the beginning of the week it, it is summer now you just you know forget about spring it, it never happened right basically sure. yeah absolutely well um i think that we probably should talk about uh some things you know people i know they tune in for our personal uh-huh. lives and our shock mount issues really and, and it's, summer it's the of main Georgia, thing they tune in for that's the reason why people listen to the y- show you know i've been listening to a lot of podcasts and people i can tell you uh you know authoritatively that is what people turn in for yes that is the show that's that's what the people tune in for but we do want to talk about something pretty exciting uh-huh. And that is that whoa, we whoa, whoa, wait, wait, something you haven't told me. Uh, I think I did tell you actually, oh, okay. I, I may have messaged it to you in the, uh, the little message robot that we, you and I use. Um, so the first mm. trailer for the Muppets TV show, the new Muppets TV show has debuted. Let's, uh, let's see if that's any good. Excuse me, everybody, can I have your attention? I have some really great news. ABC wants to put on an all-new primetime series starring the Muppets. God bless America and its magnificent broadcasting company. <laughs> so you know, it's going to be great. I cannot wait, man. Yeah, I'm so I, here's the thing, Joe. Typically, I am not a fan of the docu-style interview TV show thing that The Office oh, does and okay. stuff, but but this looks like it's making fun of that and so i'm um, in i am yeah. totally in i am so in we're, we're gonzo gonzo really oh, threw the gauntlet so down on 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 the uh, on the docu's tv style thing it's so good <laughs> it's so good I, I i've been looking forward to this this uh version of their show this comeback for years dude i i, I grew up on the movies and i knew that they had had a television show when i was a child 
uh, not many people spoke of it. And it always annoyed me when I was a kid that, you know, you'd go to TV, you'd check out the TV guide and you'd be like, you know, I'm really interested in some Muppets right now. Mm-hmm. And you fought, you're five years old. You've bar- you barely understand what ABC, NBC and CBS even stand for. Alphabet and, soup. And you're, yeah. You're flipping through the channels. You're, you're twisting the, the knob, the dial, and you're, you're turning the antenna this now, way and that to see everything you can find. I, I, I need to work on yeah. your conception of what TV is, Joe, because my kids have no idea what you're saying. My kids uh-huh. are like, oh, we need the 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 remote for the Roku or the Apple TV to tune into Netflix to find our TV show. Yeah, and what's the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I haven't given the, 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 they're just on the network, so. Yeah, so I just remember that back in the old days, I'd, I'd flip through the channels and all I would find was the Sesame Street show. And, mm-hmm. and I was so royally, royally disappointed. And then there was Fraggle Rock. And I was okay with Fraggle Rock. And what just happened? Sesame Street. That is a totally different show, man. <laughs> is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, um, well, it, this is your show, so I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm thinking though is that it, it like I just don't understand why oh oh that's right this is where I was going with that remember the Muppet Babies or the Baby oh, Muppets yeah. or whatever oh they killed me Muppet man Muppet Babies oh no <laughs> you're not supposed kid. to remember that music <laughs> oh. <laughs> why not but thank God Barney saved us from the Muppet Babies I mean it's Joe, like what oh, happened Joe no we cannot go on with this, show. this <laughs> no uh, no 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 uh-uh, no my point being I, I have nothing in favor of Barney but <laughs> thank you for the record the Muppet Babies just like ruined the ride for me what and you didn't yeah. like the Muppet Babies? No. Joe, we can no, Joe, no. Get off my show. Leave. Why? Be gone. I loved that show. Oh, they did so many cool things. It must be. Really? I was just thinking it was either you or Chad that we talked about the Muppet Babies, and he was a big fan yes. of the Muppet Babies. It, and they it had was some Chad. great and I, shows. And when I heard that episode, I wanted <sighs> to reach through the, the speaker and oh, grab no. his microphone and ring it. Uh, anyway. No. I, I couldn't live with more Muppet babies. I'm so glad that that's a thing of the past. To down there with, um, you know, like the the Muppets go to Oz and stuff. Joe, I think you can be glad that you record in a different physical location than I do. You know, the one time though we've recorded together, I intimidated you. You did? No, I, I don't. Remember. I think that's so. Not the way I you, this. you couldn't look me in the eye. I was too tall for you. <laughs> You didn't know what to say around well, me. Well, I mean, you are you are strangely tall. There's no that doubt about true. that. And That's I'm true. I'm average or less, little slight. I'm sort of short. So it was it was it was not intimidating. I wouldn't say. But anyway, <laughs> we're getting derailed. <laughs> I, I, I trimmed down the legs on your chair in my office when we recorded. <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, so the Muppets, yeah, so, Joe, yeah, the, Muppets. the Muppets, stay on, stay on target, is, stay on target. Yes, yes, yes. Well, first of all, I'm just a huge fan of the Muppets, so they they can mostly do no wrong, except for when they do wrong, <laughs> and they've been on a great track record since they were bought by the Disney ABC Empire, mm. and uh, or or really, actually, when did they get picked up? When when were they picked up? I'm assuming it only happened. Uh, it was a, few a long years time ago. ago. Before, uh, oh, okay. When well, never did mind. Disney acquire? Muppets. See, I, I I thought they got picked up right before Treasure Island, and Treasure Island was great. And oh. then there was the Muppet Christmas Carol, and I couldn't remember if those two movies were attached to the ABC Empire or not. It was not as long ago as I thought. I was thinking nineties, late nineties, but it it, it was uh, February seventeenth, two thousand four. Okay, yeah, not as long ago as I thought, but still. Uh, so so basically, the new movies and now this TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have not, okay. Going back to the original television show, I watched it three years ago mm-hmm. with my kids, and we loved it. Yeah, it's I nice. Mean, we watched it, and there's some really boring parts and tedious parts. Oh, sure. Old, old school television Very show 70s. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then for the most part, it was also so just entertaining. It was so Muppets and and so raw. Like you know, they, they were just figuring things out. They they didn't have their shtick down yet, and, and so it was really fun to watch that. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely enjoy the the old show. I, sure. I I cannot get over this. Uh, did they say when it's coming out? Is it going to come out in the fall? That's a good question. Um, and uh, I will tomorrow, f- tomorrow would be nice. Tomorrow would be nice. It's uh, coming out in the fall, so um, that's all. That's all really that we know is it's, it's part watch of it on ABC's fall lineup. Mm. Okay. And I'm actually having a hard time finding that information, but I remember reading that. Mm. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about this, and I'm definitely excited about. Well, bringing and, a and the reason that we are excited isn't just because it's the Muppets, but because the commercial really sells us on it too. This is a great example of what the Muppets could be, um, playing off of the rhythm of the pop culture and television today. So they're trying to do like what you said, the Office style parody. So they're doing a parody of parody, and I love it. You know, that's just great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that we should move on to our next bit of news. Joe, why don't you tell us uh, yeah, why what travesty not? is going on here? Okay, really. Uh, this is travesty, people. That uh, Dr. Richard Kimball, maybe that name rings a bell. He uh, once upon a time uh, was accused of murder and he had to run for his life. He was the fugitive, a.k.a. Harrison Ford. And he <laughs> was in a movie by the name The Fugitive and it was wonderful. And nowadays, um, people think you need to reboot all the things. And so they're taking this back to work. And Warner Brothers wants to make this movie. They have hired Christina Hodson to write a new script for The New The Fugitive uh, based on the famous television series that turned into a blockbuster. And, you know, that goes all the way back to the 60s, mm-hmm. early 60s. Mm-hmm. It was a four-year-old four-year-old. <laughs> what do I mean? There was four seasons of the original television series and uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was okay. It was pretty popular. I remember my dad saying that he watched it when he was, you know, growing up and he I've liked it. I never watched the television series. Yeah, yeah. Um, my dad always liked the movie because he was feeling very nostalgic about the original television show. Um, and then I fell in love with the movie when I watched a documentary makings of, you know, of the special effects and how they, how they did the part where they did the big wreck and crash and they they actually shot it against like a big you know movie theater screen and stuff. I uh, yeah. Why I don't understand why they're rebooting this film, Joe. It's it's ponderous. It's ponderous. Why, why are they doing this? Um, the, the, they as far hate as love and life. They hate life. That's right. As far as I'm concerned, the original film is a perfect film. Not maybe not perfect, perfect, but it's it's a fine film. Uh, Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones couldn't be better. You know, one of my favorite lines, by the way, from that that movie, I bet you, you may know it, you may remember it, is toward the beginning of the film, actually, when we first really start seeing Tommy Lee Jones and one of the uh, the train guys is uh, given some – spinning some story and they find evidence that that says it, that it's not – his story is not true. And the woman says, do you care to revise your statement, sir? And he's like, what, what? And, and Tommy Lee Jones is like, do you care to revise your BS, you know, story? <laughs> <laughs> he used stronger language than that. Uh, anyway, it, it's such a great film, and I don't understand. Like, um, and later on in this article, Jermaine Lucier says, um, "In my mind, we already have a pretty solid film version of the Fugitive. It's called the Fugitive, <laughs> and that's exactly the way I feel about this." What, what's even weirder, Joe, is that there's a rumor that Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones could be connected to this movie. Is that not weird? It's horrible. It's horrible. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. And the guys, I think, are going to be willing to be a part of a very uh, – of a, a pop culture uh, blockbuster in the making, even even if it's just for like a cameo. I could see them showing up as like, you know, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is a judge or something. Maybe he's a truck driver that, you know, picks up the fugitive or something. And Harrison Ford is another doctor, you know, maybe the doctor's father, you know, just, you know, makes a small appearance just because they can. Um, well, I mean, maybe know. maybe it would be akin to Lou Ferrigno showing up in various Hulk movies, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But see, but I completely agree with you. But here's my problem. Here's my problem with this concept. I, I'd be okay with more stories about American fugitives or other fugitives from other countries. You know, tell us a good story about people running – um, from the law, but don't and call it the that fugitive. Inno- it don't even connect it. And yeah, don't make a remake of this particular story. It would be much greater if you could just tell another story, give it an original spin. You know, you know, make it fun and interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm not even you don't there have to with say you, the Joe. Same thing. I, I, really? I can't even go there with you. Like, like, really? don't even, don't. Even you can't even have it. one more good fugitive story. No, not even in any way should it be connected to this film at all. It should not even be like, oh, we 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 really like the fugitive, so we're going to make this alternate thing. No, it shouldn't even be that at all. It should be. We have a great idea for a story, and we're going to tell it, and it shouldn't be connected in any way to the fugitive. This well, sure, sure. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm dumb. agreeing with you. Okay. I'm just saying if you want to tell a story about a fugitive, go and tell that other story without any strings attached uh, to this one. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah, yeah. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. You know, they just really need to listen to us. Um, so we need to talk to Clark about you know getting in touch with his guys. And then we can just give them the pipeline. Well, I'm, you know, everything I'm not, we're thinking about. I'm I'm uh, I'm shunning Clark right now. 
He's Why? he's on he's under he's got under my skin. He said uh, he said two things. The ABC Muppets trailer is tired and unfunny. The other thing he said is he's going to watch uh, every episode, but he said he, it's tired and unfunny. That's that's not acceptable. So and anyway, he's he's on my he's on my uh, he's on my list. He's a rebel, so everybody's going to love him for saying that. <laughs> well, shall we turn our attention to some more fun news of the week? <laughs> oh yeah, let's go ahead. The Incredibles two will be Brad Bird's next film. Hooray! So uh, applause, yeah. applause track. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm doing the uh, Kermit the Frog uh, head bobbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he's going to be doing. Or he has Get done that on the soundboard. <laughs> he's done Tomorrowland. Uh, and that's going to be coming out, uh, in like a week or two, which, uh, I want to get that on the, on the, uh, schedule soon, but as soon as we can, but, uh, cause I'm super looking forward to that. But one thing that I've been wanting from him, Joe, one thing I have demanded of Brad Bird, and he has finally heard me. He has realized that I was going to boycott Tomorrowland if he did not announce that his next film will be Incredibles 2. And so what does he do? He announces that the Incredibles 2 will be his next film. And Pixar had actually already confirmed that, that they were working well, on the Incredibles 2. It was in development. So I'm super yeah. excited about this. Yeah, kind of. That's not exactly the report. The report is that he's working on the script and we don't officially know a date of release. No, that's we true. We don't know the pitch that's of true. release. And we don't know that uh, that uh, Brad Bird is actually um, uh, set in stone as a director. Oh, he is. There's no doubt, though. You, you think? I think there's a little Why doubt. is it that we know he's writing the thing, but we don't know that he's directing the thing? Oh, that's We're just the way these Pixar. things go. We're talking about Pixar. They usually have their act together, and you'd think that they would like – this would be a great big happy family you know, moment for Pixar fans and Pixar people and everybody would be jumping for joy and the Luxo lamp would come out and do a song and dance. And, you know, I, with, look, even if he doesn't direct, just having Brad Bird involved and having him write the Incredibles too. I mean, cause he was the heart and soul of the Incredibles as far as I'm concerned, which is a fantastic film. And the Incredibles two is going to be fantastic because he's writing it. You know, I think that he will direct. Um, the one thing this article says, uh, one thing Angie Han says is that uh, if he takes a project between now and then to direct, it could mean he's not directing The Incredibles 2. I don't think that's necessarily the case because as they've already pointed out, uh, the Pixar release calendar is full through summer 2017. So like, I think that he could have room to write The Incredibles 2, do another film, and still come back and direct The Incredibles 2, possibly. So I'm not too worried about that. I, th- I think he'll direct it. I think he will. Mm. I'm going to go mm. on record. I'm going to I'm going to claim chowder, put it mark it down. I'm I'm going to say that he's going to direct the Incredibles too. And, and I have full confidence in whatever his script may be, just knowing that he is taking ideas that he had from, you know, leftovers of the original film and he's going to, you know, mesh them with newer ideas that he had after the film. And I would like to see some um well what we saw with the Incredibles, the first film was that he took this very unique approach where he amalgamated uh, um, sort of the spy genre with superheroes. And, but then specifically he catered more to the spy genre than the superhero genre at times by setting it in a sixties era, era, you know, city. And I, I think that that was really cool. So what I'm wondering is, is he going to keep the same era or is he going to somehow, move on to another era quite specifically and intentionally so. Um, and, and if that's true, will he keep up the spy motif or will he move more into a direction of sci-fi or superhero stuff that's more modern? I don't know. I'm, I'm more curious to see what he does with that than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of hope and I think he'll keep the same vibe, but, you know, they're, they're, I mean, he'll need to change it up to some extent. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, I'm just excited to have like, like this is, this is the only Marvel sequel that anybody has really ever asked for. Like there, and we've uh, got, I'm sorry, not, I'm sorry, not Marvel. Why did I say Marvel? Pixar. Sorry. Pixar. I, I don't know. Maybe we've been talking about their movies lately. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually I was, well, anyway, uh, <laughs> so <okay>. Pixar, <laughs> um, I, I'm yeah. talking about Pixar. Uh, it is really the only uh, the only Pixar sequel that we've ever asked for collectively as a like we've cried out for a incredible sequel. Uh, and we've gotten some decent Pixar sequels, no doubt. And I would not give up any of the Toy Story films for anything. Um, I, I I even enjoyed Monsters, uh, the uh, the Monsters University. But, you know, then we, we got some other things that weren't so great. And so, you know, Cars 2 stunk pretty badly. So. 
you know, I'm I'm excited that they're actually doing something that we want, and I'm hopeful that Pixar can remind us of why they're so great. That's that's where I'm at. And with Brad Bird at the helm, I have little doubt that that's going to happen. Hmm. Hmm. All right. One final bit of no- news, Joe. You want to talk about this? This is this is going to be interesting if if it's true. Yeah, yeah. Star Wars bits, uh, Star Wars bites, actually, on this show. Yeah, yes. As we like to think of them. Uh, we have Joss Whedon, who is uh, added to the long list of Star Wars rumors. Like, we needed one more rumor. Uh, we needed one more. Absolutely. Um, needed one more. Let me see the list here. <laughs> In this one post off of just one news website concerning the movies, there's about 10 rumors concerning the, 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 the upcoming trilogy. And we only care about the one, though. We only care about the one today, and then next week it'll be three others. No, this I don't is how it goes. I don't care about any the of these others. None of these. You realize there are probably going to be more Star Wars movies after you and I are gone. It's it's quite possible. Oh. I intend to live forever, though, so I, I doubt that that'll be the case. Oh, okay. As like a cyborg, you know, <laughs> so, download your media. So, Joe, I want to talk about this rumor. So let's let's get to it. Joss, Joss Whedon, Whedon. He's rumored yeah. to possibly be, perhaps, maybe, sort of, maybe rumored possibly to be directing Star Wars Episode Nine. Uh, and this is lovely if he can pull it off. If that works out, and you know, it's it's interesting to me. I I I I would not die if Joss Whedon had nothing to do with a Star Wars no, film. No, but it would be really fun. It would be because uh, episode – that's episode nine, right? I'm that's looking episode at the nine. Roman that's numerals. two episodes away. So uh, episode seven is the one we're going to see this year. Uh, episode okay. eight uh, will be the next one and then following yeah. that will be episode nine. What throws me off is when I'm reading the Roman numerals and I don't see the Roman numeral for the number nine very often. It's a capital letter I, capital letter X. Uh, yeah, so Joss Whedon, here's the thing. If he were doing the um, this third sequel, then – you know how Star Wars movies work. In general, there's sort of like this um, – the, there's sort of a sing-songy um, verse tonality to them so that episode one and episode four have some things in common. Episode ep- – supposedly, this was what George Lucas originally wanted. He wanted his tr- his trilogies to somewhat m- reflect each other spiritually. Fail. So. Yeah, he completely failed. I agree, <laughs> but he wanted to create intentional parallels. So Fail. the bulk, we could go into the nitty gritty, <laughs> but the point is, there are some parallels, even though they're not very good ones. There are some parallels, and I'm wondering if the new filmmakers with this trilogy are going to try and keep that thread up. Gosh, I hope not. I hope they just want to tell good stories. Well, yeah, I, dude, you, you just want. Everything to be horrible. What, what was it? What was it that um, that Rocket said? You, you just uh, want to take the joy out of everything. Yes, you know, or something like that. You want to Suck take the, the joy out of everything. Out of everything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, I would love it if there was a way in which this film had parallels to Return of the Jedi, and in that case, I would be I would be interested to see how Joss Whedon's take on it. Um, was in, just like made it more interesting, made it more interesting to see a, like a, the, the reflections to the return of the Jedi. His take on anything always makes it more interesting. He was, you know, the, the, again, going back to Avengers age of Ultron, the movie that he was trying to make is the movie that I loved in, in, in there, you know, yeah. and if he, if we can avoid and, and it's yet to be seen what the team running Star Wars currently, what how what kind of influence they'll have on the filmmakers, right? We haven't seen a film yet. And and I know J.J.'s tone and his style and his voice pretty well. I think I'll be yeah. able to tell pretty easily whether the studios are really, you know, working against stuff that he's wanting to do. And if if not, I'll be super excited for a Joss Whedon Star Wars film. If it's another studio interference thing, I'll be less excited because, you know, Joss okay. Whedon's already been through this ringer with Age of Ultron. I don't want to see that happen to him again. Yeah, but see, the thing is maybe he's been burned. Like if they asked him before these Marvel movies, he'd probably be on board. But now he might be very skeptical of going in. Well, the rumor is that he's accepted. And and the thing is when you're offered a Star Wars film, Joe, you don't turn it down. If yeah, I were- you do. <laughs> Brad Bird did. Apparently, yeah. Which, but it's it's one thing to turn it down if you have prior commitments, and that it just the schedules just wouldn't work. That was the problem. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm working on this other movie called um, Tomorrowland, Mission Impossible, or Mission Impossible, whatever. It doesn't matter. That that that's understandable. I mean, things happen. It's it's the showbiz. You're you're booked up. That that it's understandable. But why didn't they come back to Brad Bird and offer him parts? You know, part uh, 
I'm losing track of the numbers here. No, part eight. Or it doesn't matter. Nine? Okay. So, so, so going back to my point in general, you don't turn down a star Wars movie uh, if you're offered it. And Joss Whedon, I can't imagine him turning down a star Wars movie because he's, you know, the king of the nerds. Right. So, uh, you know, it would be interesting if for no other reason to see what kind of cookies it put into the movie relating to firefly. <laughs> what well, little did we know they're set in the same universe. <laughs> yes. Yes. You would see what was the, the name of the shuttle. Firefly. <laughs> oh yeah, duh. yeah. Okay. Duh. The, the the firefly <laughs> would be like in the dock, you know, somewhere. Or Actually, flying, I'm sorry. It was a firefly by. class. Firefly class. It was named. It was Serenity. Was the name of the ship. You you, you even okay. threw me for a loop. <laughs> okay, so the Serenity would be flying right by the Millennium Falcon, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, that's all the news we have for this week, Joe. Uh huh. Uh huh. And we we actually have a film that we need to talk about this week. That yes, um, in the outline, it, it's called the the movie or the film. <laughs> okay. No. 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 It's the Homesman. Okay. You just changed it. The Homesman. Yes. Here we go. Are you an angel? Help me. Suppose I do. What will you do for me? Anything! Anything! My name is Cuddy. Mary B. Cuddy. Where's Mr. Cuddy? I live uncommonly alone. What's the job? Three women in this country have lost their minds. Their husbands can't care for them properly. You and I are going to take them back across the river to Iowa. It's your job, and you sworn to do it. That's why I set you free. That was from the trailer for The Homesman. It was released on November the 14th, 2014. It had a budget of $16 million. The opening weekend, it brought in 45000 in limited release. But worldwide, it has only made $2.4 million. I, I, I can't find if that – I mean, that's box office mojo. That doesn't feel right, but that's what it says it's made. The critics' consensus is that a squarely traditional yet somewhat progressive Western, the Holmesman adds another absorbing entry into Tommy Lee Jones' directorial resume. Uh, the director, uh, obviously, was Tommy Lee Jones. And he was one of the writers in the screenplay, as was Kieran Fitzgerald and Wesley A. Oliver. Uh, the stars of this film were Tommy Lee Jones, Hilary Swank, Grace Gummer, Miranda Otto, Sonia Richter, John Lithgow, James Spader, Haley Steinfeld, and Meryl Streep. And there were a few other cameos as well, uh, which some of those that it says are top build cast were actually just cameos. It was kind of weird. Uh, the composer was Marco Beltrami. I think that he did do – we don't have Clark here to tell us about the score but uh, or Chad, but but I think that <laughs> – but but Beltrami did uh, – I did think he did some interesting things with the this, this score, but uh, by, by and large, it was about what you would expect from a film like this. So, Joe, why don't you uh, tell us about this storyline? The edge of the American frontier are driven mad by harsh pioneer life. A task of saving them falls to the pious, independent-minded Mary B. Cuddy, played by Hilary Swank. Transporting the women by covered wagon to Iowa, she soon realizes just how daunting the journey will be and employs a low-life drifter, George Briggs, played by Tommy Lee Jones, to join her. The unlikely pair and the three women, played by Grace Gummer, Miranda Otto, and San uh, Sanja? Sonia. Uh, Sonia, thank you. Duh. Richter. <laughs> uh, head east, where their awaiting minister and his wife, played by Meryl Streep, have offered to take the women in. But the group first must traverse the harsh Nebraska territories, marked by stark beauty, psychological peril, and other constant threats. The end. All right. Well, uh, let's let's talk about this film, Joe. One of the things that I actually really liked about this film was just there, there was some beautifully composed shots in this film. I, I didn't know Tommy Lee Jones was such a director or maybe he just had a really good cinematographer. But you, you know what I'm talking about. He really had some beautifully composed shots of, of some of that uh, wide open empty country and just really, really well composed cinematography. Don't, don't you agree? I completely agree because uh, I, I, this was established at the beginning, just everything for the first half hour where there were so many clever establishing shots. Mm -hmm. They were just picturesque. That's what made me, uh, what it made me think of was like, it looked like um, something on a postcard 
uh, from the American West. And then after they had established that for a few moments, they would d- develop some more character in the moment. And, they, and they, there was some good pacing too. Oh, you yes. Know, that's Absolutely. one dif- huge difficulty with a story like this is because you're, you're telling it in the Old West and a lot of Westerns create uh, fake energy by creating hyped up situations that yes. are actually not that exciting. Yes. So every few minutes they have to have a new chase. They have to have a few more gunshots, you know. They have to have some more empty threats in a saloon. <laughs> right. And this film doesn't have any of that tension. Yeah. It has other tension, but it's not the traditional Western tension. So what's amazing is that the pace tells a lot about the story. Mm-hmm. It really uh, carries uh, a unique flavor to this Western. Yes. Yeah, I I agree. I, I really enjoyed the pacing of this film. I, I think there are times when it felt oddly paced, but for the most part, it felt very nicely paced. Very intentionally, anyway. Yeah, it was very intentional in its pacing. Uh, I mean, I, I, it's hard to separate sometimes because of the, at the same time, while I like it, in I have way, to say. I, would I was, you say that it almost felt like a novel in its pacing sometimes where it's kind of like, ah, screw whatever the audience is expecting for a motion picture. Yes. We just want to give it the story the, the way that we would tell it, you know? Yes. You know, no mindfulness to, you know, the direction of formula. Yeah, and I, and I know I'm abandoning our formula a little bit by just saying something that I, I didn't like, but – but I, I, I liked the pacing except where I didn't, if, if that makes any sense. Like, I felt like it was, <laughs> he was overly reliant on, on fade dips to black. Like, and, and sometimes that I had a hard time following the transitions between what was in the past, what that he was showing us, what was in the present, and what was going on with the women. Oh, yeah. There was some, oh. some very strange, like, I think I finally untangled it all, but there was some stuff where I was very confused. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that about the flashbacks, that there was not anything to clarify that they were flashbacks except that characters were in them. When they, they in, in the sequence of events, they were not together anymore, but in the flashbacks, they were together. So immediately I thought, oh, okay, they must, this must be a flashback. But, what, but unlike other movies that would do something like some color grading and filter effects to make it look like it was degraded and, and, and sort of soft and blurry – to make you think, oh, okay, this is like a memory or, or a dream. There was none of that. It looks very stark. Like reality is here, boom, this is the moment and boom, here's another moment. And, oh, that, that other moment just happened to be a flashback, but you wouldn't know the difference. I, I guess what I'm saying when I, li- when I say I like the pacing is that I like the pacing when we're in the present and the story is moving along. Where, where I get a little crazy, one, one of the things I was reading about this film that I completely agree with, and, and here's just a, a sentence from this review – uh, the movie's tone is like a runaway wagon. A crazed frontier woman gets raped by her crazed husband one minute, and another woman is hurling her infant into the outhouse toilet. But the next, we're supposed to be delighted by the vin- vinegary swank and cartoonish Jones trading barbs while on the road uh, along the open range facing terrible hardships. So I kind of see, agree with that. I, I didn't get the the impression that we were supposed to be um, – and what did what did you say? Not delighted. What was the word? <laughs> uh, we were supposed to be caught up in the in the moment of of the joy of the showmanship. What is it? It was delighted. Is it delighted by delighted? the vinegary swanked and cartoonish no, Jones? No, no. This this film was not you know gleeful. No, uh, I, I don't completely agree with that There was no frivolity. Statement. Yeah, there was no frivolity in the entire film. Okay, mm, with the exception of there was some exceptions. Some, yeah, there was some awkward moments where characters would break out in the song and dance because they were they were drunk. showing that it, huh they were drunk <laughs> because they were drunk or because given you know an excessive amount of boredom out in the wilderness doing nothing with nothing to listen to all day no television and no pocket smartphones and no internet and no tapes and no nothing and nobody around you to create entertainment you would just stand up at the campfire and break out into song and dance and and sing the only song you know because (laughs) what else are you going to do you don't have a library you don't have anything else to do for entertainment and nobody has any interesting conversation um, I, that, that cracked me up. Um, but it was awkward, right? Like it was a stark uh, contrast to the reality that all of us know where we have any kind of entertainment we want at our beck and call. True. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's definitely, you know, when you're watching a film like this and you see like the stark weird you know, to us, strange lives that they're living in the, 
and uh you know there, there really is like what do you do and you can't sit down and watch tv and you've done your day's work and you don't have any lights to you don't have computers you don't you know what it's it's very it's a very strange atmosphere for sure and and there's there's definitely to us it looks like awkwardness and i'm sure it was perfectly normal to them there's certainly that aspect of it that i found uh quite um compelling you might say uh and and yeah i i I enjoyed those scenes that were very awkward and in, in the in the uh, the song and the dance and the drunken weirdness uh, that it was very very uh, compellingly uh, awkward and the sort of thing where you almost you're almost embarrassed with the characters. <laughs> yeah, I I think maybe if we could describe better what we're talking about in yeah. terms of like the entertainment value uh-huh. of the story isn't so much that it is lighthearted for a moment, but that it it's it keep, it holds your attention. Yes. Even when they have a dull moment or a a weird moment or a, a truly depressing moment, mm-hmm. it holds your attention. Yeah, and, and you're and you're kind of you're eager to see some reprieve, and and it, you're surprised with developments in the latter half of the film. Definitely, I yeah. can agree that you're surprised <laughs> by developments in the latter half of the film. Uh, you're, you're kind of uh, jumping ahead, but yes, I can agree with that. Um, it, it's it's. Uh, it was sort of like uh, watching a train wreck. Okay, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> For a very long time. Yeah. Th- I, what I was going to say is there's n- – you're right. There's no point in, in this film when I was bored. There is no doubt about that. It held my attention. Um, Even though the characters might have been bored. We were not oh, bored. Y- sure, yeah. The, the characters are bored or or – you know, suffering or whatever. And we, we were, we were not bored, but we were entertained. Uh, it, it may have felt a little bit like watching, uh, the, the, um, the gladiator games in, in the film gladiator when you shouldn't feel entertained, but that's, that's uh-huh. the way the film was. It was certainly entertaining and held my uh, attention. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, to talk about just a general observation of the film, something that characterizes it. That's neither a, a dislike or a like, but the audience should know if they're in, they're interested in seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about our first impressions first, though. Uh, so uh, initially, and before I had seen the film, I had read a couple of reviews a year ago or whenever it was that it came out. It was only a few months ago. Real? No, no, no. no November. It was a few months November. Ago. I guess I guess it is May, so it's more than a few months ago now. But okay, well then, the, when I was reading the reviews, it must have been like uh, October, because the, the you know the critics always publish their reviews a little bit early. Um, and what I got from those reviews was that it was off the beaten path for modern westerns, and that it was uh, interesting. There, they had done some things you did not see in many westerns. That uh, Tommy Lee Jones does a great performance as always, and, and and yeah, I guess so. And then you had the crazy people, and if <laughs> you enjoy movies concerning crazy people, then there was enough to go around here. And speaking with that speaking in, of the crazy people, did you recognize the character the character instantly, Miranda Otto? <laughs> instantly, yes, yeah, Zeowen. Uh, and then when the movie came out, the critics generally liked it and the audience generally was only okay with it. Yeah. And I was not interested in mo- catching the movie. So when you said, hey, you want to review this? I thought to myself, uh, what is that movie again? And I did not recognize it by its title. And so I said, sure, why not? And then uh, today, sitting down to watch the movie, I honestly didn't know what I was about to watch until I turned it on and I was like, oh, it's that one. So my take on it was uh, an un, uh, unfiltered. It wasn't impacted by popular opinion, discussing it with friends, watching the trailers, seeing a buzz on the internet, or anything like it. And, you know, it's just mostly gone, uh, you know, under the radar since it, it was originally released. Yeah. So how about you? Well, I I was very interested in it when I saw the trailers, um, and that was back in uh, obviously it would have been before November because the film came out in November, and I knew it was in limited release, and we were never able to catch it, which was frustrating. And I know it's been out on video for a while, but it finally came to Netflix, and I thought, well, you know, let's catch it, let's go ahead and and, and get that film and get it reviewed because I wanted to see it, and um, I kn- I knew very little about it. I purposefully did not look up any reviews before I watched the film. I had not read any reviews. I had not seen the tomato meter. I didn't know what people, what I didn't know what the consensus was. So that was I, – I certainly feel like I came at it fresh, only knowing that I had wanted to see it from the trailers, knowing that I felt like it was going to be a good film just based on the trailers. I do like Tommy Lee Jones. I have actually never seen Hilary Swank in anything before, so that was interesting. Um, and she she did a fantastic job. I, I have no uh, no qualms at all with her performance in this film. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan. Okay, well, I, I have reached the end of the things I like about this film. Uh, if that tells you, if that foreshadows kind of spoils uh, where I'm going to ultimately land on this film. Uh, as I've already indicated, I thought that the pacing of this film was good when it was good, and it was bad when it was bad. Uh, the flashbacks did not work for me at all. The, the, the whole thing, it was hard to follow. It was very difficult to know where and when we were at the beginning of this film. I'd say for the first 15 to 20 minutes of this film, I could not I, – I, I had to unravel it. I had to work really hard to follow the story. And there were times, even toward the end of the movie, I thought I pieced some things together. And I go, oh, that scene that I thought was this, it was actually this. Uh, you know, I had to go back and piece it together. So that was very frustrating. I, I felt like that was very poorly handled. And then the film did settle into that nice pace uh, for a very long time, I'd say, for most of the film. But then I'd say in, in, in the latter part of the, of the last act, when things started going south for our characters, I think they started going south for the film as well. I think it became very apparent that the film didn't know what it wanted to do, what the message it was trying to tell was, or what it wanted to be to people. It didn't know where it was going, and it, it felt like they they started throwing story elements in. It felt like the writers, Tommy Lee Jones and what have you, the people that wrote the film, they didn't quite know how to bring it in for a landing, and so they're just throwing out a story element. Let's let's spoiler alert. Let's have him burn a house down. Let's let's have uh, hey, I know. Let's have our main character hang herself. Uh, but that's a, what a lot of the westerns have done over the years. Maybe it's so. Tr- it's true to the genre. I, th- that may be. It just I'm I'm not super familiar with westerns. I'm not a big fan in general. And so anything that can happen on a long trek journey can and will happen. Y- yes, it was just a little bit. Um, it's I, like if you, if they happen to be walking by a cliff of rocks. <laughs> It's, it's going to uh, land. I wonder what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I just wonder. Lightning's going to hit the freaking rocks and they're going to fall on their head. <laughs> well, so I'm only – I don't – I'm not that familiar with Westerns and I'm not a huge fan it's of Westerns in general. Film. So I, I'm only looking at this from a storytelling perspective and, and you okay. have – ultimately, I feel like you have to have hope in your stories. Uh, you, you have to have uh, some, some reason, some worthiness why this story is worthy of being told. Uh, I find that to be true. When, when any time that I feel that the story wasn't worthy of being told, th- th- that's what I feel about this film. I, I always find that if I if I'm not understanding why the story was being told, it doesn't make for a great film. I know a lot of people like that. Like it was, it's just huh. a, a film that sort of portrays a day in the life, like whatever. I I didn't find that this film had anything to tell me when, by the time it was all said and done. It's it, a little too post postmodern for you. Yes, it's a little bit too much of. Uh, we're not even sure why we're entertaining you, but we're going to entertain you. Exactly, and you're be exactly. And I wanted there to be something. Even I don't need much. I just need a little bit. I just need a bone thrown at me. Like here's ultimately like maybe you can see. That the, yeah. that the Tommy Lee Jones character, what was his name? You can see that he he's on George a path. Briggs. Uh, he is on a path to some sort of redemption. Even if we just get a glimmer of it, what we saw was he hadn't changed a bit. Uh, nothing has changed. Life is normal. He's shooting at the at the thing at the end. I just I found that this movie spiraled it, it very quickly. Uh, well, very quickly spiraled out of control. What I what I noticed about his uh, character development arc or whatever you want to say was that change was very uh, fleeting. It was very uh, – it happened. He was a changed man but, for but like a end, Tuesday. But the end demonstrated you know? that he discovered that he couldn't be a changed man and so he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And basically uh, a lot of the world had to do with chaos. Like you know, things that just could go out of order would go out of order yeah. very quickly yeah. for everyday people. And it didn't matter if you let, lived by a very strict life or if you led – a life that was, you know, just chaotic, like, you know, going crazy. Um, and a lot of bad things happened to these people. You're talking about people out on the prairie, all of these women that went crazy, they suffered some real and terrible hardship. Here's and, a question for you, Joe. How many, yeah. how many women in this film went crazy? Three, four. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we saw that the, the reason the first three did, they were, they were wives with children and presumably, they they should have happy homes, but there was nothing happy about their homes, and the 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 prairie was really hard on men, let alone women, who were not prepared for anything like that. You know, if you trained people for the prairie life, and you knew that you could face uh, death, disease, uh, heartbreak, you know, uh, you know, it, it, then maybe. But these were people who thought ideally that they were basically going to go out west and win the lottery. Yes, they thought that yes. they would land, land it big and they were prepared to work for a little while to pay their dues and then everything would work out in the end. And it didn't work out and the, this was happening to kids basically. So like one of these wives was 19 when 
uh, she suffers tremendous hardship within the family and just clocks out. Mm-hmm. And you kind of understood that even though it's inexcusable to turn your back on your your husband and your town like that and just to, you know, kind of like clock out and basically let you, let you know um, – this raised an interesting question I wanted to get to later in my cautions concerning the movie. Um, but um, these are just my observations concerning the movie. Um, because it's very difficult to address my dislikes without basically saying, I don't like unhappy things. Oh, sure. That's and part of my problem. I don't like this movie. Yeah. You know? And it would be very easy for me to fall into that camp that's like, well, is this a romantic comedy? No. Well, is it funny? No. Well, do the, any of the uh, the uh, are any of the lines especially awesome? No. Is it a cool movie? No. Well, then why am I watching the movie? I had to t- I have to tell you, I'm basically coming from that p- position. Yeah. See, and I I can understand why a lot of people do, and that's one of the reasons that most people don't watch westerns. Um. And most people don't watch musicals, even though they are they are intentionally more attention getting and generally more entertaining than this is. Uh, Westerns in the old days were high on entertainment value. They were action movies. So if you went back all the way back to the black and white days and the silent motion picture days, uh, Westerns were classically action films. Then they also dabbled with romance. They also dabbled with mystery. Uh, but then as times changed, uh, filmmakers figured out ways to tell mysteries and romances that were not set in the old West. Mm-hmm. So then the West kind of fell to the musical crowd. And for a little while you had movies like seven brides for seven brothers. You right. had, um, high noon, which wasn't a musical, but the only reason it, it worked was before its soundtrack. And then as time went on, we kind of like lost uh, every interest in Westerns because the more and more realistic they got, the more and more gritty they became, the more depressing they were, and the more boring they were. <laughs> so the less a cool factor, the less you could sustain uh, interest in the entire genre, no matter if you had top billing like Jimmy Stewart or John Wayne. And so then what happened was the 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 Western genre, when it lost its way – uh, fell into the hands of people that tried to, you know, sort of uh, keep it alive by returning to the roots of a- adventure and uh, peacekeeping and law-abiding citizenship. You know, so it was a a black hat versus white hat thing, and you'd see it a lot on television. So there were straight-to-television shows, and you know what was it called? Uh, Gunsmoke, and yeah. there were things like that. And again, it was us versus them mentality. You know, programs where it was just uh, bad guys versus good guys. Mm-hmm. They were games. Mm-hmm. They were stories about the cops versus the gangs, but set in the Old West. <coughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <coughs> but then as time dragged on, you eventually get to this era where more and more directors and writers who were highly compelled to tell a, a Western were given like some creativity. They, they had a burst of inspiration and they thought, oh, oh, I have an idea for a Western and I, I'd really like to do it because I cannot stop thinking about this this story. I have the creative itch. I got to get it down. So I imagine this is one of those kinds of movies, one where it was a labor of love for a collection of filmmakers that fell in love with the premise and they wanted to tell it just because they enjoy the genre in spite of its lackluster qualities. And that being said – it's not just a genre. It's actually a part of American history. So if you appreciate any kind of American history as an American, then it makes perfect sense why you would tell stories concerning the Old West. So um, there's been a lot of television shows uh, that try to do this as well to less, lesser or greater effect. Um, I don't really want to get into those because I feel like they're more controversial. Um, you know, there were a lot of bad things. That happened in the Old West and uh, heroes, real life heroes were few and far between, Um, um, you know, role models were few and far between. It was a time for a lot of Americans when life was just just miserable, just brutal. And this movie demonstrates that to heavy excess. So 
if you're not ready for the gut wrenching, you're going to get sucked. That's true. It's very yeah. true. It was it was very gut wrenching at many times. Um, and there are definitely yeah, some yeah. scenes in here that you might want to not watch this movie if you're. <laughs> yeah, it, it might not be a good idea. And what's interesting too is as a, a Western, uh, there's not been any, been many uh, that addressed the issue of uh, insanity, uh, people losing their minds mm. out in the old West. Mm-hmm. Uh, to my knowledge, movies that address this. I mean, you know, the history books have. And there have been, you know, you can take tours of people's mansions or old states, and they'll tell you some crazy stories about what happened to the the wife of the oh, what is it called the uh, the the Winchester the Winchester rifle yeah um, that lady you know she was uh, you know to be uh, you know a, a, a part of the old west and you know she went crazy you know so you can go check out her life story and see her weird mansion but in general. There haven't been many uh, film adaptations concerning stories of people who went crazy. And there's a lot of people. There's a niche there where people like to see the weirder side of life. And so you get movies like this. Um, But that being said, it is brutal and I'm with you there that I don't dislike it blanketly because it has these uh, burdensome, uh, depressing qualities. But going into the movie, you do you need to be, a be prepared that you're not going to feel like eating your popcorn. No, um, I, I actually t- had yeah. a little snack that I was eating, and I'm uh, it, I'm glad I got it down before we got too far into the film. Yeah, and then uh, besides that, it's not high on entertainment value. It's it's high on um, sort of like getting you engrossed in the story, but then at the same time, it's so depressing you don't want to personalize it very much. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like you're maybe uh, enjoying this film more than I did. I enjoy it more because I knew what to expect. But this gets us into the stickier problem with a, a story like this. Well, it's and it's depressing. It's doggone it's, depressing. It's not it's not that it's just depressing. I, I dislike movies that raise very important questions and then they clearly don't answer them. Ha- don't have answers. Th- don't know how no. to answer them. <laughs> There's okay. There is a movement in a lot of films these days, and culture, and philosophers, and people who like to think. You know, there are think pieces out there. There are a lot of directors that like to make movies because you know what they like to say. Oh, we like to raise the important questions. The, the ones whose Twitter bios say "thinker." Oh, <laughs> you know, my problem with them is that there is this great big movement that they want to introduce the important questions, and honestly. I, I completely get why they don't want to create answers because it's much easier to specify questions than it is to specify the right answers. But you understand how much it kills people when you raise questions framed this well and then you don't bother to present any viable answer? No answers I mean, at all. Yeah, I mean, like, not even that a hint, not even me. leading you a little bit in the right direction. Like, there's, <sighs> that is my problem with this film: is it asks questions, it has no answers for, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to bring the film in for a landing, does not know, it just doesn't doesn't ever do anything for you. Nothing. There is no story here. Ultimately, uh, what was that movie that came out not too long ago called like so and so's horribly terrible, no good, you know, or dirty, ro- rotten, no good. bad day, yeah, or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. This was like the the that film, not but not day. It was like year. Yes, for everybody, for everybody in the movie. Yes, yes, and not funny even. Well, there, there was <laughs> there was one good person in this film, uh, ostensibly, and she killed herself. <laughs> Well, there was also the minister, and then there was the other I, minister's wife. I, I lost all confidence in him when he said, you know I'd go if I could, and I thought to myself, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, it, it was a very, uh, I don't know about that because, you know, how it works, but yeah. But no. then there was the other minister's wife. You know, there were there was the couple back east that was taking in the three crazy ladies. Yeah, that's England. true. You didn't know much about them. You didn't spend any time with them. Hardly. You really. You only met the minister's wife, and she seemed fine. That that's true. But there was the story wasn't about her. Uh, you, you know, the, the one nice person. And so, and again, not not that she didn't have flaws. I, I, if if the story had meant something, I would have been okay with this because not that not that. Hillary Swank's character didn't have flaws. She certainly was bossy, just as she was, you know, told that she was. Uh, she yeah. was a little bit over the top, but but it would have been fine. Except like ultimately, it meant nothing. Nothing about that character meant anything. There was nothing there. Like, what was the point? There was no point. And I want to look up another cred here. 
because I don't want to be wrong twice. Oh, I'm right. I'm right. Okay. So you remember Tommy Lee Jones finally gets to the town with the women. And at one point he stops in a hotel and he has a meal and he notices that the girl who's running the hotel, who's serving him dinner, doesn't have shoes. Yeah. Haley Steinfeld. And, yeah. And he, he cares about her. And, uh, he, you know, he strikes up conversation with her and they have some nice brief chats. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking to myself, I recognize this girl and she's in a Western. Who is she? She was the lead in True Grit. Correct. Alongside of Jeff Bridges and Matt Damon. It was awesome. She, she is essentially set in the same time period, but with a completely different character. And she looks basically the same, but it was just fun to see her in a different role playing like an alternate dimension of the exact same person. Yeah. Yeah. So she, yeah, she was in True Grit. She was also in Three Days to Kill and Ender's Game. Yeah, I recognized her right away. And yeah, it was, so uh, I, she was a refreshing face. She's, she's in, always even good. in a small role. Yeah, she's always good. I hadn't noticed her in Ender's Game, but now that you mention it, I remember who she was in that. Yeah, yeah. What I th- what I found very odd was uh, the cameos, basically, and they were top billed too. Uh, James Spader and Meryl Streep. Like what? What? It was just so weird. Just like they showed up for a few minutes and then they're gone. Oh yeah, and did you see Taylor Swift? You know, she was in there somewhere. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was going to say, I don't remember that. <laughs> uh, point is, there were, there were a lot of uh, Yeah, you know, there was just a lot of walk-bys, basically. Kind of interesting. But yeah, ultimately, are, are you ready to uh, to kind of wrap this down? Wind this, wind um, this down? Wrap this up? I'm mixing, mixing my metaphors. Um, 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 uh, sure, why not? All right. Well, why don't you tell us your uh, kind of final analysis? Get in the last words that you have for this movie. I... I cannot say that I enjoyed this film in the good old fashioned let's grab some, you know, popcorn and let's get the kids together and sit down and watch this thing as a family or you know, this isn't the kind of thing you're gonna get together with the guys and gals, you know, and, and watch, you know, on the weekend either, because it's it's not fun or exciting or in you know, laughable or anything. Uh, but then at the same time, it's still a- an important story. Like it carries a lot of gravitas to it where you cannot deny this sort of thing essentially happened. And if you appreciate history for what it's worth, then uh, then this film is definitely going to transport you to the story and the events that are taking place. Not based on a true story that I'm aware of. I thought that it was a little inconvenient or too convenient that so many crazy people all showed up in one town, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, all basically at the same time, uh, and all needed to be transported to the exact same destination in such a fashion. But uh, it does work out. Um, so I give it three and a half stars in spite of its depressing. Generous. And very, yeah, it is generous. Very generous. Considering its sober, it's sober um, you know, uh, the themes. Well, I am not nearly so kind to this film. I did not enjoy watching it ultimately. I, I felt like there was a point you, you know, with some movies there's a point at which you like it would all be worth it and you could enjoy watching it if X. And that X never came. Like it just never worked out. Uh nothing about this film had any point. Um it uh when we got to the end, I was left scratching my head going, Why why did they feel compelled to make this movie? What story were they trying to tell me? Why was I watching this film? And I couldn't come up with answers to those questions. Uh, the film left me wanting something, anything, just a hint, a glimmer of hope, well, something. Well, well, on that note, I think that the, the, uh, a way to, to perhaps view it isn't that the film should tell you what to think. No, no, no. But now that, now, but now that the film has t- portrayed essentially something that could have happened, might have happened, reflects history, then it now the question is how do you respond to it and you can respond to it poorly or you can respond to it positively sure i suppose i i just didn't you you should know the answer to the problems mm-hmm. per, uh, presented in the film yeah i i just did not find anything in this film to be compelling ultimately uh, again it could have it could have had something to say and it didn't and I'm not – and again, I'm not a fan of telling the audience exactly how they should feel. I'm not a fan of super heavy-duty, uh, heavy-handed emotional manipulation. I just wanted a little something, and this film didn't have anything for me. Okay, Ultimately, what was the What was that star rating? I am not there yet. I, you, you interrupted me in the middle of why I'm explaining my star rating. I'm just Sorry. just pointing it out. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's your show. Yes, yes. It is my show. Uh, it's yours too, but it's mine too. All right. Uh, so yeah, I um, – I ultimately – 
I can't recommend this film. I didn't enjoy this film and I have to give it two out of five stars. Yeah. I don't necessarily, you know, recommend the film either, but, uh, if someone, you know, was prepared for the worst and was sober minded, I'd say, okay, you know, maybe, maybe if you appreciate history and you're trying to gain something from it, then yeah, this is a good film to watch. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be very brutal for sure. Yeah. Uh, a noble effort from Tommy Lee Jones directing the film. I like his sense of style. There's no doubt he had some beautiful shots in that film. Yeah, and whatever it was, I, it, I can't imagine that it was Tommy Lee Jones that was responsible for the cinematography. But well, the cinematography carries this movie really well. It does, and and you can't ever say that the director is not responsible for the cinematography. Ultimately, it's a collaboration between the director and the cinematographer. So certainly Tommy Lee Jones looked at the shots and said, I like this, or this is what I want, or he gave the direction. So – yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm not saying that it was all Tommy Lee Jones. It certainly was the cinematographer as well, but I'm saying that he had a hand in it. And I appreciated his sense of, of what to put in this movie and what not to, and, 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 and in pointing the cinematographer and, 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 you know, telling him what he wanted as the look of the film. Yeah. I, 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 in, in hindsight, can I just add one of the other things I liked about the film? Sure. I felt like it was kind of unpredictable. It, it, it kind of sets you up expecting this one character to be the main character, and it turns out that person was not. Yeah, it, it certainly had just a hint of that flavor that you you, you know you get from uh, the Hitchcock movie uh, where they killed the main character after thirty minutes. A bait and switch. Yeah. yeah. What was it? I'm sorry. What was the name of that movie? Why is my mind Psycho? Like, Psycho. Yes. Thank you. Um, I can't believe I forgot that. It's like classic. Um, so yeah, it certainly had a little bit. Although it came much later in the film, not not the same film at all. I'm not comp- that's the only thing I'm comparing is killing the main character. Like it was just weird. Like you really were like, wait, a is she can, really can dead? We, can we b can we call it old west psycho? <laughs> yeah, sure. But Western. You, you really are. You're like a is she really dead? But then when you realize she is, like it's like b. What's left for this story? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but because it was so intentional about carrying it forward. I, I was more interested in following along. That was one of the failures about Peter Jackson's, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings movies in general. Everybody knows that when the movies just keep going and going, you don't get the feeling that they are supposed to keep going and going. Like it, the rhyme and the like, the rhyme and rhythm of, of the entire movie. You're talking about not, the Hobbit, not not Lord. Of the, you said Lord of the Rings. Well, but I'm, different people debate. Uh, you know, the cutoff, the right cutoff points for the Hobbit films. I was and very for happy the with the Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings but yeah, I also was I. But there, but there's a lot of people like you know out there in the world, TJ, that are not like you and me. That's true. Yeah, and, and they, they cannot appreciate where there were cutoff points in, especially Return of the King. Um, and I, and I've heard some complaints about others and, and, and I'm thinking this is a movie where it made a very deliberate approach into, we are just going to keep going and going and going. And you're not sure when this thing is going to end. Mm. And because it was so intentional about it, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And what, you know, I think when you get to the punchline, a lot of people will say, well, is that it? But I wasn't – that was not my response. My response was, okay, that kind of makes sense. Mm. Um, just given again, like this this character uh, wasn't going to make a huge change in his life. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, all right. So just, just to recap, you're at three and a half stars. I'm at two. I have to tell you I flirted with one and a half. I really did. But ultimately, and I, and I, I did I enjoy the film. I, I found enough things to enjoy about the film to to give it a few stars. <laughs> Honestly, TJ, I hold some of your star ratings against you. Yeah? But this is not one of them. Which ones do you hold against me, just for the record? Um, we can talk about that on another show. <laughs> you don't remember, do you? You have. We can, we can call that Star Wars. <laughs> Whoa, is that taken? You did not just do that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, next week, I'm, I'm looking at the roadmap here. We don't have anything on the schedule. We will review something. Uh, I'm Possibly Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know if you're interested in that, Joe. I'm, I'm interested. I don't know whether it's going to be a little too violent for me <laughs> or what there are. I'm still I'm trying to find out what are the reasons it's rated R and if there's going to uh-huh. be like too much sex and stuff. Well, in it, well but... you picked a Western. I thought maybe I could pick a Western. Oh, no. Uh, there's 310 to Yuma or High Noon. Mad Max Fury Road it is. <laughs> 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 with that uh, joe uh, uh, no 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 the man who shot liberty valance joe why don't you tell us where people can find you before i just cut you off <laughs> i am underscore joe darnell on twitter and my other websites i do the coffee podcast which is topbrew.fm and my tech website and show is 
tectonic.fm. And I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter, and you can find uh, my web development and stuff at buzzingpixel.com if you're interested in some of my add-ons and various things for CMSs. Uh, you listen to movie podcasts, so probably not. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. Uh, and you can find show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 137. That is where you will find the show notes. That is also a link you can share with your friends if you enjoyed this episode. And we would appreciate it. I haven't asked for this in a while, I don't think. We would appreciate it if you take some time to rate and review us in the iTunes uh, podcast store or section of the iTunes store or whatever it is that it's called. You just search for, basically just go to iTunes, go to the store and you search for Movie Byte and we're the first result and you can just give us a star rating right there. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back at you next week with another movie review. Until then, enjoy your time at the cinema. See you later, Joe. Later, partner. You had to change it up, didn't you?